What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Dr. Amber Hall is joining us today. Uh, love chatting with doctors. Uh, I, I actually, I, this is a question I, I usually ask when, when I have doctors on my other podcast, but are you a, a, a medical doctor or a smart person doctor? I am a, a, a medical doctor. I'm an osteopathic physician. Actually, I uh, went to DO school in Phoenix, Arizona. I did my pediatrics residency in Baltimore um, at Sinai Hospital of Baltimore. Uh, finished that and did about a year of newborn intensive care fellowship um, at OHSU in Portland, Oregon. And so I have taken care of very sick moms and babies. I know a lot about pregnancy and newborns and parenting. Um, so yes, medical doctor. And I also would think I'm a smart person. Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was waiting for it. I was like, it's gotta come at some point. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, okay. This is really interesting. So I, I guess, I mean, we very well could be talking to you today about 
the work that you do as a physician for sure. Um, and it's, you know, especially with like working with, with like babies and mums and, and pregnancy and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the, there's a, the really interesting tagline that Bridie read to me before we sat down for this conversation today was, I was like, who are we talking to? She's like, Dr. Amber Hall. She's um, a private practice pediatrician by day and a woman's pleasure advocate after dark. And I was like, huh? Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. So, uh, going down that route, uh, route, I think with Termion makes uh, a little bit more, a little bit more sense. But also when I heard that, and maybe this isn't, maybe, maybe this isn't the greatest question to like to open the interview with, but I'm curious. Karen. Yeah. Is there, is there, is, do you receive any kind of like pushback in the sense that by day you're a pediatrician, but then by night you're focused on women's pleasure. And, and I just want to pref, I, I want to, I, I should have prefaced, uh, through the conversations that we've had over the years, it's become quite evident to us that female pleasure is the least of anybody's worries in the scientific community. Correct. And so, and, and, you know, there's probably a, a, a thousand different reasons for that, but I've always kind of assumed that a big part of that still has to do with the fact that we are really weird as a culture in the Western world about how we approach sex and view sex. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but also sex, female pleasure, that is a, that is a very like valid scientific pursuit and we need people that are focusing on that research. And mm-hmm. so, so yes. So all, with all that said, as a pediatrician, have you received blowback in the fact that by day you do this really valid and, and beautiful work for children who are sick, but then by night you're focusing on the science of female pleasure Mm-hmm. Yes. Fantastic question. And one that I get um, not uncommonly. So my background in medical school is I did most of my elective rotations thinking I was going to be an OBGYN, right? So I've done a lot of extra coursework in obstetrics and gynecology and high-risk pregnancy, maternal fetal medicine, GYN oncology. I did at Mayo Clinic. I've done rotations on pelvic floor reconstructive surgery. Mm. Um, But at the end of the day in the United States, we're a very litigious culture here Mm -hmm. in medicine. And ultimately I just decided that the lifestyle of an OBGYN isn't what I was looking for, for, for my own well-being. Um, But I like taking care of moms and babies. And so I went into pediatrics and I have a, a successful private practice here where I have, you know, five newborns and two pregnant people that are coming into my practice as we speak. And I talk with women in the later stages of their pregnancy, just to check in on how they're doing. And I like open the conversation surrounding, like go see a pelvic floor physical therapist while you're still pregnant and have them teach you how to relax, you know, certain muscle groups and pelvic floor physical therapists can help with things like back pain and the bone, like structural changes that, take place as a result of the hormone relaxant in the late stages of pregnancy. I coach women through the early stages of the newborn period and how their bodies are changing and how their hormones are fluctuating and, you know, how their hormones can go from very high levels of estrogen and progesterone to very high levels of prolactin if they're nursing, which can basically make them feel like they're in menopause. 
and dry up vaginal lubrication and these, you know, like skeletal changes that happen as a result of relaxin can last for months or even years after a woman delivers a baby. And there's a lot that happens within the context of a healthy relationship in the wake of delivering a baby that can take a real toll on relationships. Mm. And so for me, talking about sexual health in general and women's sexual health specifically as a result of parenting, like it doesn't like it doesn't seem on the surface like these two things are related, but you talk to any woman who's delivered a baby or who's gone through the early early stages of pregnancy. And yes, it has a tremendous impact on not only her sexual relationship with her partner, but how she perceives her own body. Yeah. And so these to me are, have, you know, Artemis, my uh, Artemis Luxury Wellness, my LLC that's focused on pleasure and intimacy and sexual health has grown out of my clinical practice as a physician. And to me, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, like, you know, if there's, if, if there's anybody I would assume if there's anybody out there who's who's going to really make waves when it comes to advocating for female pleasure, it's someone who has a history in working so so intimately with the reproductive organs of those people. You know, like it just it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I I think there there's there's you know you you said something there that just made me reminded me of. Um, of something I was, we were talking about the other day, but <clears throat> we were talking about how when it comes to pregnancy, when it comes to like childbirth, um, we've heard so many times people express like, you know, I'm having my first kid or I just had my first kid and boy, oh boy, there's a fuckload of shit that no one has ever said to me. Yes. About yes, what that's going to look like. 100%. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, as like a, as a, as a guy who, um, doesn't have a vagina, doesn't have a uterus, doesn't have, doesn't, I don't, I'm not a father to a kid. I haven't been close and personal to like birth when I'm hearing the, the sort of the stories from women who had their first child and are, are expressing this thought of like, man, fuck, they didn't tell me that Correct. they didn't tell me I'd be dealing with, you know, Incontinence, incontinence, bleeding, and yes, vaginal dryness, all this stuff. Yes, no, doctors don't talk about this stuff. And part of it is part of it is the overtaking of the medical system, at least in the United States, by private equity firms and insurance companies that limit doctors to maybe a 10-minute appointment with a patient. Mm -hmm. And it's like as long as you're intestines aren't falling out of your C-section scar and, you know, you're not hemorrhaging to the point of collapse after delivery, like that's all we have time for. And so being a private practice pediatrician, I've gotten to know a a circle of women who are, you know, doulas, postpartum doulas, you know, again, pelvic floor physical therapists, lactation consultants, other doctors who have had it with, you know, what patient care looks like in the context of a a healthcare system that's run by financial interests. And they're starting to be these circles of women looking out for other women and Mm. other mothers that are coming together and being like, you know, yes, your body changes. Yes. Your emotional state is, 
is going to be in disarray. And that is common. And that's not to say that it's normal, but it's common. And I feel like women should be equipped with this knowledge and understanding both during pregnancy, before they get pregnant, during pregnancy and after pregnancy and having men and partners who are on board because studies have shown that when men step up and take over at least half of the domestic and emotional labor of child rearing, they're more, the couple is more likely to have a satisfying sexual relationship. And so I think men having an understanding of their role in her recovery from pregnancy is, is also key to everyone getting what they want sexually. It sounds to me like, like, like a niching down, like, okay, we had just like doctors and they did all the things and then we saw the gaps and now we've got people who are filling those gaps in a really specialized way. And, uh, and it, do those people exist for the, the partners of the people who are like what you're saying, the, the people who need training and how to like carry their, the half of that load or some of that load or whatever percentage of load is is that also a niche in that you've come across where it's like and you can send your your partner over there to that workshop or so that I, that's a fantastic question and actually no one's asked me that question I think that going back to women's health and not really very many doctors addressing this issue when you think about things like erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation like when it comes to <laughs> men's health issues there are clinics no and pills yeah. and pe- yes yeah. and penis pumps and the urologists will talk about you know quality and duration of erection all the live long day but you know the really like the physicians who deal the most with with sexual health are going to be urologists and OBGYNs. Mm. But I think there's very little crossover when it comes to how is your female's partner's experience going to affect your sexual health and your experience and the the relationship between the two of you, because I just don't Mm. think that there are very many urologists who are having this conversation with their male patients. Mm that's where Artemis comes into play, right? Like, so Artemis, now that we've talked a little bit about the generation of it, the event that I had in May, um, and I'm having another one in October, October 21st and 22nd here in Las Vegas. Um, it's open to, you know, men and women, couples, single people, kinky people, vanilla people, you know, anyone on the spectrum who has an interest in learning about sexual health within the context of, you know, their greater mental and physical health, that's what Artemis is for. Hmm. Because there are, there are plenty of places in Vegas, you know, there are swinger clubs and there are strip clubs and, you know, there are brothels. Like there are plenty of places to go in this town and have those fantasies fulfilled. But when it comes to a mindful approach of how your sexual health is both a reflection of your physical and mental health and an intricate like driving force to your physical health and your mental well-being that's what artemis is for so Hmm. the event that i'm hosting in october um i'm going to give a talk on women's sexual health 
I have a psychiatrist who's going to be flying in from New Jersey to give a talk on neurotransmitters and brain chemistry, you know, during, during orgasm and, you know, as, as a result of pleasure and bonding chemicals and these sorts of things, because we've all experienced how, like, after, after a really good intimate experience with your partner, how you just sort of have this levity and you feel good. Mm. Right. And like, there's a lot of brain chemistry involved there that I find fascinating. And then I think a lot of other people would find fascinating too. Um, I've got a pelvic floor physical therapist who's going to talk about, you know, issues related to postpartum and like sort of the remodeling that happens in the pelvic floor and, you know, normalizing these conversations about what happens to women over the course of the lifespan, including during menopause. I have a clinical sexologist who talks about like G-spot and squirting. And I've had, you know, people in their 40s, like very experienced, sexually experienced people who learn things at my event and then were able to take them back into the bedroom and have experiences that they've never had before. Hmm. And of course, because it's, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Sorry. Because it's Las Vegas, we have, you know, I mean, we're like the world capital of hospitality, yeah. right? So I've got caterers that are coming and bring in like world-class food that's healthy and elevated because I am a physician and, the, you know, I want people to have a healthy experience <laughs> here. Um, I'm very connected with the Cirque world here. So I've got Cirque performers that are going to come in and do like aerial performances and hand-to-hand and, you know, fire demonstrations and, you know, but from a mind body medicine standpoint, the other elements of this that we're expanding from the event in May to the event in October is that we're going to add a second day and do things like yoga and breath work and massage and sound baths and, you know, sort of taking the perspective that yes, this is a physical experience this is a mental emotional experience but it's also like about connecting spiritually with your partner and connecting on a deeper level and so those are kind of the the goals and that i'm going for with the event specifically turn me on podcast we'll be back after this short break 1.com I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, it's like I hear you describe the event and all I can think in my head is like, God damn it. That would have been the, that's the sex education that like I could have used in high school. Like, you know, like, like covering it from, from, from not just a, not just a, Hey, here's your penis. This is what a Mm -hmm. penis does. This is a vulva. This is what that does. Here are all the diseases. Here are all the diseases you're going to get. Um, and, uh, and pregnancy bad. Uh, (laughs) and okay, good. Like, good luck. See you later. It's like you, you guys are covering sex from, from the vantage point of like, of from like the scientific perspective, which is Mm -hmm. fascinating, like the neuroscience of sex. Absolutely. Like that's, that's fascinating. That is something that everyone should be aware of, but then also like (laughs) also the tapping into like the, the, the play and the pleasure and like the, the ways that it can be used for pleasure is really important and valuable as well. Like it's, it's, I mean, it like what and a, what art. a cool event, like and what a circus art. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I got to ask a question here because Jeremy and I went to acting school together and we, mm-hmm. we studied this technique um, that was based on creating an internal a character, the internal life of a character by using physical gestures, right? A, a choreography of type to sort of um, conjure a specific emotional state. Now you've just mentioned, we, and Jeremy just mentioned, we've got science, we've got, we've got mental health, we've got physical health, we've got, um, spiritual health. When you, when you're working with clients, I would assume that as you know, Jeremy just mentioned, everyone should know about the neuroscience and I'm like, I'm here for it. Cause I love that. Mm-hmm. But, but that might not be someone's way in to this aspect of their health. So when you're working with a client, can you sort of like how quickly and by what process do you suss out the access point to, to getting the results that you want? Is it, is it going to be, well, I can see that it's, it's probably like a physical thing that's causing the mental thing, or it's a mental thing that's contributing greatly to the physical thing, or it's a spiritual thing that is contributing or taking away, or, you know, like, can you pinpoint those less sort of tangible pieces of where someone's at and what's going to help them? Yes. I love, I love this question. It's very sort of esoteric, but I think the, the important thing for me and part of the joy that I get out of this project is active listening, right? Like rather than just waiting for my turn to speak, I'm listening to what you have to say and the context of the question that you're presenting me with. And active listening is something that I've become much more aware of. And then I try to consciously practice in every conversation that I have, whether it's patients or friends or business colleagues or acquaintances out in the world, right? And I think far too many people don't engage in active listening. They just are waiting for their turn to speak. And I can see when when someone's doing it to me. 
And so part of my goal with Artemis is to listen because every single person in that room has trusted me enough to fly to Las Vegas from wherever they came from, New York or Denver or Miami or wherever. They've trusted me enough to, you know, invest their time and their money to come to the space because they think that what I and my team are bringing here is valuable. But in order for me to make it valuable for them, I have to listen to their experiences, right? And so I can sort of put together and I and I do and I have put together an agenda of, you know, speakers who are going to present on various topics, but part of what we did in May that we're also going to be doing again in October is that we have these little skits. You talk about acting. I have a, a friend who's involved in this project who's a playwright and he wrote just these couple little like 2-3 minute skits that are like a conversation between two partners about pornography and like his use of pornography and her being disapproving of it and like shaming him about it. And, you know, what does that mean for their relationship and and what is that a symptom of that's going on on a deeper level? So we had this like two to three minute little skit that was presented by the actors, but then we engaged the people in the room and had like an half an hour, 40 minute discussion where people were sharing their experiences and asking questions and sharing their vulnerabilities. And, you know, again, these are people with a wide variety of experiences. Some people who are coming from a strictly monogamous, always like, you know, vanilla mindset to people who have been involved in the swinger and kink communities for decades, right? And so there's as much for people to learn from the other people in the room as there is to learn from those of us who are like, quote unquote, on stage. Do you see what I'm saying? And so part of my goal with Artemis is like, yes, I want people to leave with the quality sex education that they never received in any other context in their life. But I also want them to leave with friends in New York and Denver and Miami and LA where, you know, they, they have ongoing digital communication with new friends or when they have questions about their relationship or their sex life or just like want to share experiences with someone who's not going to like judge them or you know shame them for their questions or their fantasies or they're trying out new experiences like this is as much creating a social community as it is about distributing sex education Ooh. I love that because it is so hard to make friends as an adult if you are not in <laughs> in some sort of group experience together, whether it's like work or, you know, a class or something like that. I just, I really like that. Yeah. And, we had and, summer camp as kids. Right. And those were like, you know, you have those friends are like when you go to college, yeah. like you have those friends for life. So. Yeah. Or like our, our parent, you know, like our parents' generation, a lot of them had like church, you know, mm. it's like church was mm. like, like the way to bring community together, which like, that's, that's a, that's a, a bit of an antiquated, sort of communal gathering these days. Um, I, I will say, though, I've noticed a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, but uh, conversations with a handful of my peers who don't consider themselves like uh, religious in any way are talking about going back to churches because mm -hmm. of what they provide that is so right. obviously like missing that we're 
Right. Especially in the wake of COVID, like people have been socially isolated from one another and are craving Mm. connection Mm -hmm. and craving that communal experience of being around other people. And, you know, in, in recovery communities, for example, the, like, the real magic happens in the rooms of recovery where people can talk and share vulnerability and have conversations Mm -hmm. with other people who are going through similar experiences Mm -hmm. and the people who stay connected to those programs, whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous or NA or whatever it is, the people who are in recovery who have that shared social network are much more likely to abstain from their drug of choice than people who are sort of flailing about out in the wild without a support system. Mm. And, you know, also studies have shown that fewer people are, you know, religious, no shade on people who subscribe to religious beliefs. I'm I'm not trying to devalue that at all, but for people who aren't necessarily seeking that type of spiritual experience, they still are craving human connection. Yeah. And the apps are garbage. And I could go on a soapbox all day about like how these apps are like monetizing people's desire for human connection. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a big problem after COVID people are looking for shared experiences. Yeah. That's why all these people show up for Burning Man, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. Year after year after year. I think there's mm-hmm. something sort of wholesome too yeah. about the the church way of like that's what I was brought up in, and it's like the gatherings are not just about worshiping. You know, it's like potlucks and ice cream mm-hmm. socials and pancake breakfasts and fundraisers for other people in the community, and um, and that is you know. That is like because we can all also get together and go to a concert or a festival or whatever. But there is something about like I want to invest in it in my neighborhood and mm. in the people that I walk by every day. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I, in in terms of uh, the the retreat um, specifically, so the first one was in May. Is that what you said? Correct. It was uh, Memorial Day weekend. It was lovely. It was a great way to kick off the summer. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I guess like just from a, a, maybe, maybe a bit of a, like a boring sort of, um, like business question, but how do you, how did you go about getting the word out for this retreat? Like what kind of attendance did you see? How did you feel about how the overall event went like for the very first time? I know that, you know, we, we've thrown a couple of events and it's always, it's always just such a stressful time uh, for someone who's putting something on like that. So like, what did that look like for you? And and how did you feel about it when it was all said and done? It was definitely a learning experience. Um, They don't teach you any of the stuff in medical school. Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm not, nor have I ever been married. And so I've never planned a wedding. (laughs) Like I've never planned a big event like this. And so it was definitely a learning experience, but you know, and also the event in May was proof of concept, right? Because when I say that I'm holding a sexual health and wellness retreat in Las Vegas, I get some raised eyebrows and like, oh, like you're throwing an orgy or a swinger party. Like, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm doing. And so proving the concept was really what this event was about. And as I had this conversation, similar to the one that we're having now with you know, business people and attorneys and circ performers and caterers and, you know, other folks in Las Vegas, they're like, yes, this is what you're doing is so important. No one else is doing it. How can I help? 
And so I really had people in my community going back to en enlisting the help of your community. I really had people in my social network stepping up and being like, you know, what do you need? Performers, caterers, people who are making, you know, like uh, aguas frescas um, and bringing in like flats of water and, you know, non-alcoholic beverages because I, you know, I don't want this to be like an over-alcoholized event. I really want to keep the educational content at least booze-free. Yeah. Um, and so people in my community, when they heard what I was up to, was like, how can we help? We want to help you make this happen. And I, the turnout was about 30 people. And, you know, there were like five physicians there, several of whom had flown in from the East Coast or other different places across the country, engineers, military people, stay-at-home moms, teachers, you know, just a, a variety of different professional experiences, mm -hmm. but it was, it was a lot of work <laughs> um, yeah. for someone yeah. who's never planned anything like this. Um, but the overwhelming majority of feedback that, that I got was we didn't know what to expect when we came here and what you've done here has exceeded anything that we could possibly have imagined. Um, and that is a, a really like, that's a compliment that resonates with me, right? Like, I don't want to put on a tepid, mediocre event experience, like either for myself or for other people, but like, I feel like my team and I knocked it out of the park. And so when I invited several of the speakers back and I was like, I'm going to do this again in October, are you in? And they were like, 100%. Yes. Mm. Just tell me what you need and I'll be there. Um, so. Cool. So is this event um, primarily, would you say, is it for, so originally when you were describing it, I was imagining it for like singles or couples coming to like get an experience of the full width and breadth of sexuality. But it sounds to me like maybe there's something there about, about educating other professionals so that they can take that to their, their own practices and then know how to treat in their own communities a little bit better. Yes. Um, I have looked into, so physicians are required to take a certain number of hours, like for the Nevada board of medicine, I have to take 35 hours of continuing medical education every year to maintain my license. Different states and different governing bodies have different requirements. It's called CME. Nurses and psychologists and other, you know, clinical professionals have continuing education credits that they have to fulfill for ongoing education on an annual basis. I've looked into providing continuing medical education for doctors for this because, you know, in all of my undergrad, med school, residency, fellowship, nowhere was I required to take a class on human sexuality, not even like 101, right? Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of doctors coming out of training who aren't comfortable having these conversations or don't know how to approach people in ethically non-monogamous relationships or, you know, aren't comfortable testing married people for STIs without getting kind of like squicked out by that. And I think that as the culture is changing and as more people are seeking out these types of like non-monogamous experiences or just have questions about how their bodies are changing over the course of the lifespan, doctors need to be better equipped to have these conversations in a healthy and productive way. So I am, that's one of my goals, like down the line again, because this is, this is my second event. 
ultimately over the next couple of years, what I'd like to do is partner with one of the medical schools or, you know, like the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology or the American College of Urology to be able to offer continuing medical education in a professional setting for doctors. But that's a whole other different can of worms in terms of regulation. Mm. Oh, yeah, I can only imagine. I did have um, one of the physicians who flew in was like, you know, don't offer CME at this event. This isn't, you know, you don't want to turn this into a boardroom experience. The magic of what happens here Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. in the fact that people aren't getting credit for it and their employers aren't paying for it. The people who are here are here because they want to be here and they're getting something out of the experience that they might lose if it were like more of a professional conference. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, wow, that's so so fascinating. I'm, I, uh, I really want to go. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I I know we've had these this conversation before, and when we talk about like why isn't human sexuality a part of of the healthcare education, and like, I I just am not satisfied by any of the answers that I've heard because because it doesn't seem like you know if it is if it's an instant if. If it's an industry that's mostly motivated by money and mm-hmm. we see everybody else exploiting sex and sexuality for money and using mm-hmm. that, like why? I just, I, I don't buy that we're just not comfortable with sexuality. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's got to be more complicated than that because. Well, it definitely is. I mean, it's like there, there's, there's nuance to like, there, there's, there's an overwhelming amount of nuance to the, to the reasons why. <clears throat> we as a culture view sex the way that we do it and how that trickles down into all aspects of sex, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be the education that we received as kids to the ways that it's being, I, I mean, you know, the one thing that you said earlier, <clears throat> Amber, that, that stuck out to me was like, was that it's not like OBGYNs don't give a fuck about people's, um, you know, a- ability to have or enjoy sex or find mm-hmm. pleasure after you know after giving birth it's that they don't have time they don't time, have time yeah. they don't have time to sit right. and and pour that into their they're going look that actually on the on the on the pyramid of priority that's mm-hmm. on the very bottom of the of the pyramid at the very top is keeping you alive or ensuring mm-hmm. that the incision that we made on your abdomen doesn't get infected, infected or yeah. you know whatever and so it's like it's so, so then it has to, it kind of like that kind of, that sort of work ha- has to be handed down to somebody else. And, you know, maybe that's a pelvic floor physio, maybe that's a, 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 a nurse a, or a doula a nurse or, or, or a sex yep. therapist or, so, you know, something completely mm-hmm. outside the realm of that, the, the confines of that hospital or whatever. Um, so like there's, it's, it's, it's definitely bigger than just we're uncomfortable with sex. Yeah. There, there yeah. is that, there is that. I mean, culturally there is that, that is a, that is a small part. There's a thousand well, other moving parts that make it the way that it is. Yes. And one of the things that I have found to be super interesting, I'm having conversations with like sex workers and circ performers. One of my speakers, Charlie Davis, is she's a clinical sexologist, but she also is in the circ world and does aerial pole and does like international competitions and like performs on big stages in Las Vegas. And you know, I have, I reached out to one of the women who works in the brothel out in Pahrump, um, mm-hmm. this woman named Alice Little, who's like, has a very like face out presence in the media 
mainstream media. She was in a, like a documentary last year that was executive produced by Meryl Streep called Sell by Date. Um, that's all about the like sex work industry, um, both legal and not because Nevada is the only state in the country that has legal, like highly regulated brothels. And so I've gotten a lot of my sex education through this project and talking with sex workers and talking with artists and performers and, you know, people who exchange like sex transactionally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's, there's a lot more to my sex education than obviously what was offered in medical school. Um, So, and I think those conversations are important, right? Like I can talk to anyone and, you know, being in ICUs and talking to, you know, I've had the most difficult conversations that you can possibly imagine with respect to, you know, women's health and, you know, infant loss and cancer diagnosis and all these types of things. So I don't shy away with conversations or from conversations with anyone, but some of the most fun conversations that I've had have been, you know, with sex workers about sex toys, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, they see it I mean, all. Same. <laughs> I can say, say the same. Yeah. I, I um, <clears throat> speaking of um, you know, earlier we were talking about the things that that new moms or moms to be kind of express like, oh, they never tell you this in in get ready to have a baby school. Um, mm-hmm. what like what are what are some of those things that you commonly hear as a clinician, uh, where you know a person who's about to give birth or has just given birth, they go through something and you can see it on their face. Like that. They're like, what the fuck? I didn't mm-hmm. like, why didn't, why wasn't I aware that this was a part of the process or, or could it possibly be a part of the process? Like what are some of those things that people don't maybe don't like have front of mind when it comes to the, the process of, of bringing a child into the world. So taking a step, back for a moment. Um, I think that there is a historical sort of like societal and cultural expectations that if you want to be a good person, you have to meet these relationship milestones, right? Like you have to, you know, finish high school or go to college, get a job, date someone, date them exclusively, get married, have kids, buy a house. Like there's this like social set of milestones that you need to achieve in order to be a good person or to mm-hmm. be successful. And so I think a lot of people accept that as a given without really questioning it. And, you know, and I follow several like social media groups that are about regretful parents and dead bedrooms and, you know, and this type of thing where people follow the social prescription and then find themselves into in situations that they can't just wish their way out of, Mm. right? And so going back to your question of what are some of the issues that come up, incontinence is a big one Mm. for vaginal deliveries. Like I, I would say the most common question I get is like, I had this baby four months ago. Why am I still peeing? Like if I try to run or, you know, jump like when does this end Mm. um because the ob hadn't addressed it with them or you know and ob's often don't do an like pelvic exam after the delivery of a baby they ask some questions and send you on your way yeah um 
So that's one lactation um, and breastfeeding. I've had women who are like, you know, my husband like wants to be intimate, but like I'm leaking milk all over the place. And like, I, you know, I'm wearing these like breast pads and this bra when I'm trying to have sex with him and like, you know, not allowing him to eroticize the fact that he's lactating. And there are people that have legit like lactation kinks, right? Um, Not just like, I I put my thumbs up there, not to say that it's like a, (laughs) a, a a developed deep, deep running kink, but like, I, you know, it's happened for him in sexual encounters. Yes, it has. Like it yeah. once before. And I was, I was like, oh, Whoa, I did not realize that? how exciting this would be for me. <laughs> right. But, but, yeah. but again, but, but the person that I was with was like, oh no, this is like super embarrassing. I'm, I feel really weird. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm the complete opposite right now. So like, mm-hmm. but I totally understand if this is not the direction you want to go, but so I guess like to the, to, I, the I'm glad you brought that up My, uh, just to give you just to throw a quick question in there mm-hmm. is what are your thoughts on that? Like, are you are you your your own personal thoughts? Like, do you feel if someone came to you and said, oh, my God, I'm 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 lactating. Uh, it's embarrassing. I got to wear these things with my partner. And like, there's just like there's milk everywhere. And if they were like, well, my, and, but my partner's kind, kind of is like, says it's okay. Kind of into it. Yeah. yeah. Would you be like, fucking hell yeah, go, go for it. Right. And I have, I have had that conversation before and was like, you know, if you're okay with it, like allow him to eroticize you and feel what that feels like. Mm. And, you know, and if it's something that, that in the moment that you're, squicked out by you can withdraw consent from anyone at any time for any reason right but allowing your partner to eroticize your femininity in this way yeah that could potentially be like a very powerful thing yeah right and so these are these are some of the questions where i like because i see my patients mothers in their homes right like i do house calls um I'm able to have these conversations and people are willing to be vulnerable with me in a way that they probably wouldn't if they had 10 minutes in an office. But yes, Mm -hmm. incontinence is a big one. Lactation is a big one. Um, Vaginal like dryness and pain, especially if there have been tears in the process of a vaginal delivery or like, you know, a prolonged labor or a precipitous labor where, you know, there's a lot of pelvic floor remodeling. Sometimes women will have like pain with penetration. And so PIV, penis and vagina sex might be off the table for a little while, but like, how do you sort of redefine sex to include things that, you know, aren't restricted to the goal being PIV and orgasm, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and there are tools available. There are lots of medical devices and, you know, vaginal dilators and these types of things that can be deployed to help people recover from childbirth. But those are some of the most common questions that I get from women postpartum. So with with the fact that, you know, most OBGYNs aren't in a position where they can, they can like hold space for this holistic way of working with uh, people that are, that are, you know, going through um, childbirth, what kinds of, you know, for someone who's out there right now, who's like, I'm pregnant right now. I know like, you know, I'm going to be having a baby in, in, in the span of a couple of months and we're going through the whole birth planning process. Um, what kinds of things do you, do you, would you say to that person to like 
proactively think ahead to focus on including in your plan or your or including in your your you know your your sphere of like of healthcare when it comes to proactively thinking about you, the the well-being of your mental and physical relationship to sex um if that makes sense yes absolutely and i have this conversation with with pregnant people um so during pregnancy again estrogen and progesterone are running high and a lot of pregnant women will find that they're very horny during pregnancy right, right. and you know and some guys may not even realize that they have sort of this like pregnancy kink where they're like really eroticizing their partner's body because it has this whole like femininity of pregnancy and so i say embrace that like take a little weekend if you can afford it and take the time off of work to have a little romantic getaway before the baby comes um nap and snuggle and have all of the sex that either of you want take baths together enjoy your quiet home because mm. your your mm. home will not be that quiet again <laughs> maybe ever right. um and really embrace and appreciate that moment of your lives together because when that baby comes the first three months from from my perspective as an outsider because I'm not a parent I've supported thousands of people through their parenting journey but from my perspective the most difficult chapters of parenting are the first two to three months of life the newborn period toddlerhood between 15 months and about two and a half years and adolescence mm. are are difficult and having a newborn baby takes a lot out of both partners because neither of you are sleeping adequately. Um, you're constantly drained. There are a lot of questions that come up in terms of, you know, you have this, this tiny little stranger in your house that needs everything from you. Mm. And women who are nursing, like they become a nutritional source and they'll sometimes get like a little touched out like uh I like I don't even want you to touch me anymore because I just like my body has become someone else's yeah. right now and so I would say like mentally prepare for that enlist the help of your like friends or family whether that's through church or neighbors or you know siblings who also have kids to give give you an hour to take a shower <laughs> and mm. like take shifts again, like going back to the importance of the, the partner in the relationship, the partner of the person who like gave birth to the kid understand that like, if you step up and do half or more of the domestic and emotional labor of taking care of this infant, your sex life is more than likely going to be much better off than if you take a hands-off approach and say, Oh, I'm not breastfeeding. It's not my responsibility. I'm going to, I'm going to sleep through a night feeding because that's on you. Mm. Yeah. So. This is a, a potentially sensitive question, but I, I just, I'm curious, you, you mentioned like regretful parents mm -hmm. and I, I was wondering if you have any thoughts on, um, you know, is that, is that the kind of thing that, like in the scenario you were describing earlier where you meet kind of meeting those milestones, but not necessarily with any personal connection or intention behind them. And then you've got kids now and, and, and I'm evaluating and I'm going, 
oh, wow, if I had done this differently, I would never have kids? Or is this more of like a, they just, they never rebalance, like chemically, mentally, like don't recover from that process or, or it's, they're not suited mentally to parenthood. Like what, what's behind those feelings? And is there anything we can do, you know, for those of us who don't have kids to sort of evaluate whether that's could happen? Like I might. Right. Yeah. I think regretting this. Yeah. I think it's a really, um, it's a difficult question to answer because it is so sensitive and there are, you know, a lot of people won't talk about it or even raise this, right? Like, and where I've heard these things are either in very safe spaces with people who are comfortable being vulnerable with me or on completely anonymous threads, like on Reddit, where, you know, I don't know what people's experiences are, but they'll, they'll say things like, if I had this to do over again, like there's no way, or I went on vacation by myself and I didn't want to come back. Like I, I'm just the idea of going back to my family is just dreadful. I wish I could just run away. And so I think that's a very individualized and a very personalized experience for some people that a lot of people will never seek help with or seek guidance on because it's so frowned upon. Um, And that's where I think that sex education, especially in for adolescents and young adults is so important. It's like, if you want to be a parent every single day, like 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every single day for the rest of your life, then be a parent. But don't have kids because that's what society expects you to do. So that would be my my advice. And I, I can't really like, I can't really speak to the question of what are people's experiences with being regretful parents. I just know that there are plenty of people out there who experience that and Mm. it's heart-wrenchingly sad um, because I feel like many of those people would never breathe a word of that regret to another living person. Mm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for, for um, that because I find that very, I like the sensitive, I like the sensitive topics, obviously, or we wouldn't be doing this podcast. And, um, those kinds of experiences, like I, I, I feel like I see glimmers of it sometimes in parents that I know. And I also know that they would jump in front of a bullet for their children. So it's like those things are not mutually exclusive. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really curious to know more and, and maybe over time when, when, um, Maybe that's also a subject that will become a little bit more normalized and and helpful and healthy for people to talk to and and we'll get that insight. But for now, I'll just extend my compassion and yeah, and childcare on occasion when I I can do it. I guess yeah. Well, Um, one of the things that I am doing sort of as an extension of Artemis, right? Because this is a new business for me, um, is that I am offering confidential consults on my website. So it's not medical advice. Like a confidential consult does not constitute a clinical relationship between myself and the person seeking 
this out. Mm -hmm. But for people who have questions about, you know, whether it's parenting or incontinence or erectile dysfunction, or, you know, what's it going to look like to open my relationship or what are some resources that are available to me if I want to have XYZ conversation. And if people want to come to me with questions about regretful parenting or those moments when they're like, what have I done? I'm offering confidential consults through my website um, and people can go to www.artemisluxurywellness.com and I will be another living, breathing human being who will hear that and hold space for it. Um, even if I'm don't have a solution. Mm. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, again, uh, artemisluxurywellness.com. Uh, if mm -hmm. anybody's interested in checking out the fall 2023 retreat details, uh, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. I've been to Vegas, uh, <laughs> it's awesome. more times than, than, you need then to. I probably need to have been. <laughs> and each time was an absolute delight. Um, Amber, uh, this, I mean, this has just been a really fascinating conversation. Is there, is there any other ways that people can like stay up to date with the work that you are doing? Absolutely. So I'm on uh, all the socials across the board. Um, I'm most active on Instagram, Artemis Luxury Wellness LV. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Dr. Artemis Lux. Um, and I've got a YouTube channel that I launched last weekend where I've posted some clips from the May retreat from some of the speakers. Um, I'm posting ask me anything questions that have been submitted to me um, about things like sexually transmitted infections and pelvic floor health and human trafficking, sex work, um, all that stuff's on my YouTube channel. You can find it at Artemis Luxury Wellness. And I'll be rolling out additional clips um, from some of the very interesting people that I'm talking to, whether they're doctors or therapists or psychologists or sex workers. Um, I'm going to be posting that stuff on the internet because these are fun, fascinating conversations for me too. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Well, yeah. thank uh, you. this has been a fun and fascinating conversation for us. We thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to sit down and chat with us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, there we have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation that we just had. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast further, you can do that by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app. And uh, if you want to uh, support the podcast even further than that, which you can. Wow. You can You're go to so kind and thoughtful and so generous. Thoughtful, so generous. Go to patreon.com slash turn me on. Uh, to become a patron and help us uh, keep this podcast afloat. Well, if you want to reach out to us, turnmeonpodcast at gmail.com is always open for all of your messages. That's the best way to get in touch. If you have a question for us, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you have a recommendation for a guest on the show, or if you just want to send us a little love note, uh, email money transfer, uh, all of that. Sex toy. <laughs> you know, we're, we're our email inbox is open to you. That is it for this week. Until next week. Why don't you go touch yourself?
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.